what's up, Agents for Life? Welcome to Podcast 149. I can't believe I've done 149 podcasts, but here we are yet again, and I, I hope to provide some good value. I hear from time to time from new agents uh, on this topic that I'm going to be talking about, so I really hope this provides value, especially if you're new. But before I jump in, quick report from the field. I struggled this week. Honestly, Monday and Tuesday were a slug. Slog? I don't even know. The word just feels right for a description of what happened. Um, yeah, it was just really hard to stay motivated. I wasn't getting in all my appointments. I had, you know, I think between the two days, 10 appointments or something, but it was just tough. It's tough to find motivation. It was tough to keep going. I didn't have a lot of leads, but I don't know. There was some funk in my brain. And um, anyways, the rest of the week didn't prove to be much better. I wrote an app here and there, ended up with a small handful. But um, yes, today, today I was no-showed all day. I had four appointments and nobody showed up. Um, two of them were rescheduled. So yeah, um, had one guy that was really snippy. I don't say this to discourage you if you're new, but just bring in 100% transparency. Some days are tougher than others or weeks. And uh, this one wasn't a great one on my books. So it is what it is. And I did my best. And I, well, I guess that's to be debated. I could have done better, but I'm smiling. And I got to, through the end of the week. And it's going to be a better week next week. But um, that's the that's a quick report. So I wanted to jump in because as a new agent, I think sometimes we're confu- confused on how to know what to recommend when. What do I recommend and how do I know when to recommend uh, said recommendation? Okay, so let's see what that makes, see if that makes any sense. First of all, at the bottom of the list, and I'm going to go across the spectrum, you've got term and then you've got next to it universal life and then you've got final expense. I'm sorry, whole life. Um, and then, you know, lumped into that is final expense, which is whole life for seniors. And then next to that, I'm going to talk just briefly at the end of the uh, the opposite end of the spectrum, um, the advanced market stuff, IULs and, uh, debt free for life or infinite banking concept. All right. In its most pure form, most basic form, I guess, uh, term insurance provides the biggest bang for the buck. So probably if you're looking at my poor, my, um, my client base and all the business that I've written over the years, anybody under the age of 60, it's mostly term insurance. Uh, why? Because mortgage protection lends itself to term. It has a length of time. It's the biggest amount that you can get for the least amount of cost. And it's really what people are looking for by definition. They may, know not, they may not know the word term insurance versus whole insurance, but what it provides, that's usually what they're looking for. So under 60, even, yeah, and there, these aren't hard and fast rules. So there are circumstances where people over 60, I write policies, you can still get 20-year term on a 63-year-old. So um, it really, you really have to have a discussion and break down what they're looking for, what their situation is, what their needs are. But as a rule of thumb, I'd say under the age of 60 to 65, I'm usually looking for term insurance. If they're really young, I'm covering the whole mortgage if I can. Um, if they're middle-aged, 30s and 40s, I'm covering half the mortgage and then on up, I cover a year or, or I mean 100000 and I do the math on seeing what it turns out to be. Oh, this will take care of five years of payments or three years of payments or whatever, right? 
So next to it is, is universal life. Universal life is a hybrid between term and whole. The reason why I refer to it affectionately as hybrid is because you can design universal life to act like a whole life policy or to act like a term policy. What we call that in layman's terms is, is um, well, universal, but it's non-guaranteed, okay? Not guaranteed. Everything's flexible. There's a lot of moving parts in universal life policy, and it works really well for people. So if they want permanent insurance, but they can't afford the high, ra- high rates of permanent insurance, the carriers offer universal, and because they've transferred some of the risk over to the consumer, a.k.a not guaranteed. Okay. We're not doing debt guarantees. That's transferring some of the risk. So the carriers or they, the consumers can pay less. So it makes the product more affordable. So if you're in your sixties, you may not uh, want to go term because maybe you need the policy longer than 10 or 15 or 20 years and term can get expensive as you age. So a universal is a really, has a really nice sweet spot in there. 60 to 70, 55, even up to 75, I think. Um, where it makes a lot of sense because they can choose to overfund it and make it act like a whole life or they can back off the payments and minimum pay it and have it act like a term and only go for 15 years. So your premium is flexible enough to control to some degree the length of time in which you keep the policy. That's universal, okay, in a nutshell. If you're new, like when I was studying in the study course, I remember Universal just confused the heck out of me. It was so hard to wrap my brain around. But in a nutshell, in layman's terms, that's really the gist of Universal. Whole life is guarantees. So it's level and locked and fixed and everything is set. It's guaranteed never to change. Um, So whole life goes the rest of your life. This is usually for somebody that's 70 plus is what I'm looking for whole life. Or... Or, now if they're older, I I should back up just a second, because whole life is also for young people. Like some people really like whole life. If you're on a mortgage protection call, probably they're not asking. If they ask, I'll go into it. If they don't ask, I'm defaulting to term when they're younger. So whole life um, is great for if you're young, building the cash value and using infant banking and so forth. That's what I'll talk about in a minute, because that's kind of the other end of the spectrum. But Generally speaking, the whole life policies we write are called final expense. So when we talk about final expense, that is a whole life policy. Okay, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. There is no specific product that is mortgage protection. Mortgage protection isn't a product. It's a concept. It's a concept. The product is whole, term, universal, final expense, right? Those are the products. They're life insurance products. Some of them have living benefits. The ones that don't have living benefits, they're strictly just whole life. We're just using the mortgage as the point of conversation and as the reason to have the calculations, the numbers, something to sink our teeth into. Therefore, it's a concept in life insurance. I'm explaining to people this all the time. So if you're new and you're wondering about these products and things, that's the deal. So looking at our whole life um, portfolio, generally speaking, when we're on with somebody that's, you know, in their 50s or even 40s plus, and they're sick and too sick to qualify for term or universal. 
than whole life. They have open, they have more generous underwriting guides, so you can get away with a lot more on a final expense whole life policy. The downside, of course, is you have limitations on how much you can do. So you're protecting the mortgage for a year or two. It's that critical period that you see in the trainings. Okay, so if someone's in their 70s plus, they're not going to qualify for term or even universal. I think universal goes up to age 75. So you're looking at whole life almost exclusively, even if they're healthy. So when it comes to final expense, I should say final expense, not whole life, but so when it comes to final expense whole life insurance, there's a couple of options. It can go level, which is the hope. That's the best. Or it can go graded. Graded means they weren't healthy enough to qualify for level. They can still get some insurance, but it's more expensive. And graded, graded whole life has a, or graded final expense, has a two-year wait period. The next level after that, of course, is guaranteed issue or affectionately known as GI. If you see the initials GI, that's what it is in the industry. That's guaranteed issue. It means if you apply, you're going to get the policy. Okay, That's our worst case scenario. That's our last resort. It's, it's expensive. It has a two-year wait period before the benefit kicks in. At least with, guarantee, with rated or a graded policy, a final expense graded policy, at least you can get credit for it. Um, as a producer. So rates are a little bit better. You'll get credit for it, but guaranteed issue, um, it's not bonusable. You don't get credit for it. So we do it as a service, of course, to clients that need it because it's the last resort and they don't have anything else. That's where we go. So you've got term, you're renting, you're not getting any cash value. It's the cheapest insurance for the biggest amount of benefits you can get. You've got whole, which is more expensive. A lot of your premium goes to a cash value. Um, but some, but a lot of it also goes to your death benefit. So your premium is going to two major buckets. Okay, that's the difference between term and whole. In between those is universal. You can that you're in charge of the sliders. You can pay more, pay less. You get to to control a lot more. It's very hands on. You need to watch that policy. It can be designed for minimum payments to act more like a term, or it can be designed for maximum payments to act more like a whole life policy. Then you've got the whole life. I talked about that. It's got term, universal, whole. Next up, and there's three categories of whole. You've got the graded or the uh, final expense, final expense graded and guaranteed issue. Next up beyond that is now you're talking about advanced market. So this is whole life being used, the purpose for which it should be used for or it's best suited for, and that is infinite banking. So when you're talking about this, you're talking about whole life for people that are at least fairly younger, you know, 60s, 50s, 40s, 60s and younger. It, it makes less and less sense as you age. But these are people that d don't want it for the death benefit. They want it for the cash value. So here's the, here's the correction in thinking. When I set up a whole life, a universal life, or even a term, I'm trying to find the biggest amount of death benefit for the smallest amount of price my premium. I want the small. So I'm price shopping, right? I'm trying to get them the best deal. That first they will qualify for because underwriting comes first. And then second, how can I get them the best price? Okay. When you go infinite banking, when you go indexed universal life, when you go to that next category of product, you flip your thinking. It's completely backwards. We're trying to get the smallest death benefit and we're trying to pay as much as possible. Why? Because it's not a bill. 
It's a contribution to a retirement or to your future. It's like you want to open up a savings account, but then you want to try and convince your banker to put in as little as possible. Yeah, can I, can I get away with just putting in a dollar a month? How about 50 cents? I mean, that wouldn't that be confusing? You'd be like, what? Why? Why? The purpose of a savings account is to put in as much as you can. That's the concept. With infinite banking and indexed universal life, you are trying to contribute as much as you can. Contribute being the key word there. It's not a bill. It's not a payment. It's a contribution. Just like you're contributing to your 401k, you're not trying to see how little you can possibly contribute to your 401k. You're seeing how much you can contribute. Because the more you put in, the better it's going to grow. Same thing here. So with term and whole life and uh, final expense, excuse me, so final expense, universal and term, we're trying to get that payment down to an affordable level, trying to keep it as low as we can. With infinite banking and IULs, advanced market stuff, it's just the opposite. So with an in, a infinite banking concept... Well, let me back up. With regular whole life, I would say if I were to guess on a calculation, approximately a third of your payment goes to cash value. In the first two years, because of the fees and costs, you are not even going to have much cash value at all, if any. I don't even think you have any if you look at the illustrations. Okay, they don't perform well. Regular whole life is more for the death benefit than it is for the cash value. It's kind of like... Here's a death benefit that's guaranteed, never going to go away, never going to go up, and it's going to last your whole life. And uh, oh, by the way, as a nice side benefit, it also builds a cash value. So if you needed to borrow a little bit, you could. Okay, That's traditional, regular, run-of-the-mill whole life, most whole life policies. If you're doing infinite banking, you do not want that policy. That's why they say it has to be designed a certain way. In our Retire Your Debt program, it's called a Specially Designed Insurance Contract, SDIC. So a Specially Designed Insurance Contract means we're playing with the sliders inside that whole life policy to structure it just so that when you make your, your monthly premium, okay, maybe let's, let's say it's $1,000 a month, okay, you want, out of 1000 you want 850 or 900 as much as you can going into your cash value account. The rest is simply because you have to have a death benefit attached to it. A death benefit attached to it keeps the IRS off your back. It makes it insurance, and so it doesn't MEC, Modified Endowment Contract. It doesn't MEC, and it keeps the policy in good standing with the IRS codes. And so you have to have the death benefit um, in a proportion with your monthly payment. Okay, as soon as that proportion goes out of whack, you break the mech barrier and it becomes taxable. And it's it's taxed through the from the IRS just like any other investment vehicle. So the key with structuring an infinite banking or an indexed universal life is to contribute or to build it such that your max funding, you're putting as much as you can into bucket number one, which is your cash value bucket. And oh, by the way, the rest has to go to a death benefit bucket because it's insurance. Okay, this is how I explain it to the concept to clients so they can understand. So if you're on with somebody and they throw you a curveball and you're all geared up to do your 
fancy schmancy term. You got your, you know, your the Noel Hughes video in your brain and you're ready to protect their $300,000 mortgage. And they say, you know what? I've done some research and I think I want whole life. And you're like, um, okay. Or what about infinite banking concept? Or what about these, you know, IUL retirement plans I've heard of? I don't need you to be an expert at presenting those, but hopefully with this podcast, you can at least talk about them a little bit enough to schedule an appointment, get myself on or get somebody on a specialist or somebody can help you present and sell those. So this is the way I explain the differences between them. If I'm talking to somebody, I need to know what their goals are. Usually their goal is to get as much death benefit as they can, save as much money as they can because they're broke. They don't have, you know, they have very fixed income and that's why term, universal and final expense make the most sense in mortgage protection. But these other advanced products work really, really well if you properly design them and properly fund them. So that's really as much as I want to get into it today. But um, hopefully that gives you at least some some good speaking points. You know, term being renting insurance, whole being like purchasing or buying. Like if you're renting versus buying a home, that's kind of like term versus whole. Because whole life, you're going to be building a cash value. But if it's regular whole life, it's only a little bit. If it's properly designed, infinite banking or retire your debt or properly designed indexed universal life, your cash value is going to be growing a lot, lot faster. So anyways, um, I don't know why I decided I wanted to just go into that for some of you that, that are starting out and sometimes getting questions on, on what to recommend and when. Um, but hopefully this helps. And uh, if you're in a situation where uh, you're not sure, ask more questions. And then use a little bit of logic and some of the training that you just, that you just got from me on making the proper recommendation. It'll set you up as the, as the authority on the call. Because when you ask the right questions and say, well, now what do you need this for? Is, is it important to you to have any kind of access to cash down the road or can't build cash value? Are you mostly just you know, needing a death benefit? Um, you know, on and on. Just ask questions until you get enough clarity of knowing what's important to them. I can't tell you how many people I've come across where asking questions, it pops up, oh my gosh, I would never do term. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be recommending term, right? Huge Dave's Ramsey followers, or my grandpa told me always buy a whole life. And I've always just been a fan. Like if you ask enough questions, they will tell you what's important to them. And sometimes very blatantly, and you can know what to recommend. But some, a lot of times they're looking to you and they'll tell you what's important to them in their life and their goals and where they want to be in 5 or 10 or 20 years. And you can fill in the gap with A, term, B, universal life, C, whole life, or final expense for seniors, for those that are sick, too sick to qualify for term. Um, or even D, if you wanted to get into advanced markets, the infinite banking and IUL concepts. So... There you go. That's the training for the week. Um, Thanks, everyone, for being on the team, for being a part of us. If there is more that you want, um, speak up. I'd love to hear from you. If you have some suggestions or things you want me to key in on on some trainings in the future, I'd love to hear some input. But I really appreciate, um, I love working together. I love that you're on the team. All of you, you don't know how much I think of you, and I I have you in uh, your names. Uh, I track everything, and 
just know if you don't hear from me every day, it doesn't mean I'm not thinking of you. You're in my heart. You're on my brain. I long for your success. It ain't easy. This is not an easy road. And if you're toughing it out, you're right there with the rest of us. I had a (laughs) not very fun week, but um, I'm glad we're doing it together because I would not want to be in this business trying to do all this by myself. So that's what the team's all about. Please be showing up in the mornings on the coaching calls, on Mondays at the team call, Fridays sometimes we have leadership calls. Get engaged, get in the game. There's never been a better time in the history of the world, in my opinion, to be in this industry, building this business on this team at this time. You're in the right place. Let's get after it.